Welcome back to Uniquely Wired Podcast. I'm your host, Anani, and I am so happy that you're here once again listening to another episode of Season 1, which, y'all, we are almost done with Season 1. It is crazy. We will be taking a break around the Christmas time, and then we'll be coming back with Season 2 come the new year. But I am just so thrilled... (laughs) to have this very special soul okay because she's just everything <laughs> on the podcast today all the way from the UK y'all this is crazy like I- I'm just so grateful which by the way shout out to all my UK listeners and my people in Australia like what I was looking at my statistics and I'm like People from the UK and Australia are listening. Oh, and of course, Puerto Rico. Can't forget my place. <laughs> um, but yes, God is so good. And I'm just grateful um, that you guys can be here and, you know, get the knowledge from other moms and just other experts that have been in this journey. So um, I'm going to call her Swa because that's, you know, that's how I know how to say her name. <laughs> and um I want her to introduce herself and tell us a little bit about her and what she is currently doing. And of course, um, tell us about her beautiful girls. So Swa, you could go right ahead and introduce yourself. Thank you. thank you so much, Nani. And thank you so much for having me. I'm, um, it's my first time ever doing something like this. So bear with me if I'm a bit nervous. But yes, thank you for having me. Um, my name is Swa. My, the full name is actually Uwuswa, but Swa is what I am known as and um I've lived in the UK for the last 25 years and I'm married to an amazing man uh his name is Michael and I also am mother to three daughters um my eldest is 18 and I have two other girls Eden Rose who you've met and um Everain who is four and my younger two girls both have autism so that's, that's, uh, yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Yes, I, I love that. And of course, you're a working mom. <laughs> I am. Yes, of course. How can I forget that? Yes, she is a very busy woman, which right now, you guys, here in PA, it's um, almost 12 o'clock. So I'm guessing over there, it's almost five. Almost five. Yes. Yeah. So there's a, a big chunk of a difference. Like, I feel like my day is just getting started. <laughs> And her day is almost coming to an end. But we know as autism moms, you know, like never it's ends. almost like you're up 24 hours every single day. <laughs> and you know that um, was my reality, Nani. Yes. No <laughs> yes. No, I, I understand. You know, I remember when Eliana, you know, wasn't able to sleep for a long time. That was yeah. frustrating. You know, like people don't talk about the frustrations that come through that. So the fact that you're here today, sis. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Because I know you say you had a very rough night and I felt so bad. I was like, oh my God, you know, I want to reschedule, but no, you're here. That's right. And we're getting through it. And we know this is going to be a blessing. So Man. let me just say, because I did forget to mention this episode, we are going to focus on talking about raising autistic siblings, you know, and how challenging that can be the joys that come with it. So I feel like there's just a rate of emotions that come with raising autistic, you know, siblings. So 
if you will share a little bit about your personal journey, you know, racing, um, Eden and Everrain, you know, which I love that name. I think it's so beautiful. Um, yeah. So just share a little bit about that journey in specific, because I know Eden is how old? Eden's 13. So she's nearly she's 14. 13. And then Everrain is, I believe, four, right? Yes. There's a big gap. So that, yeah. So tell us, let's start off with Eden, I guess. Um, <laughs> You know, when was she diagnosed and how did you go about that? Like, how did you know this? Right. So, yes, do you know what? Eden Eden was diagnosed at three um, and this was a good 10 years ago. So I knew nothing about autism, nothing. When I think back to where I was back then, hearing those words and the way we got to find out, we have an older daughter who is neurotypical and so naturally, we had another child to compare, you know, Eden to, right, when it came to just milestones, um, talking, we realized that she was throwing a lot of tantrums. We had a lots of struggles, again, with sleeping. She was extremely fussy. I mean, not the normal kind of fussy. You couldn't, you know, we were just on beige foods for the majority of the time, there were all these things, but I never once thought that it could be. I mean, I didn't even know about autism. So I remember she attended a sis, my one of my sister's um, birthday parties and I, I wasn't there. And she happened to be interacting with an, you know, an older lady, an older Ghanaian lady. And the lady sort of pulls my sister aside and says, look, I have twin grandchildren and I think you're you know, whoever this child is. And my sister says, oh, it's my niece. And she says, well, I'm pretty sure she has autism. So my sister actually calls me and says, you know, this is what the lady shared with me. And I was taken aback. I didn't, again, I didn't understand what it meant. But it was interesting to me at that point that all the things that we could see in Eden that we thought were very unique, I mean, still very unique to her, but we, did, we didn't think anything of it, right? So it was interesting to see that someone else could also see those things and for them they could interpret it and they could see it and link it to this condition so we enrolled her in this nursery school and coincidentally we didn't even know at the time that the school happened to be um experts they had like a, a, a provision within the school that had expert autism uh sort of support built in and so one of the teachers there just, again, Eden was there barely maybe a few weeks and she pulled us aside and said, I'm pretty sure your daughter has, um, you know, is autistic. So we, you know, it was like a baptism of fire going through, you know, educating ourselves on what autism means, just trying to understand the level of support that she needed. Um, it was sort of everything happening at the same time, as I'm sure you, <laughs> you can imagine. Um, but yeah, what I can also say, Nanny, is that because it was 10 years ago and also based on how overwhelming it was, like I'm always in awe within this community when I hear people who speak so specifically to every aspect of the diagnostic process. I honestly can't remember a lot of it. And I think part of it is because it was traumatizing, right? And so 
you kind of push that to the back of your your psyche um and also it was quite some time ago as well so yeah it was really overwhelming it was literally just getting past it day at a time um and just doing the best we could in terms of advocating for her wow that's that's kind of intense <laughs> Because it like was. you said, it, it's been so long ago. And not only that, like, I, I don't know how it is down in, in the UK when it comes to like the help and the support. <laughs> but it seems like God already knew, like, this is the place where she's going to be at. Yeah. Is, isn't that crazy? Like, it, it's that's that's crazy to me. Um, So now your little one is born. Right. Fast forward. And she gets diagnosed as well, very early on. I'm guessing because you know, you at this point you already know the signs. You're you're somewhat much more familiar than you were when Eden was showing signs that you didn't know. Um, they were signs of autism. Um, now we fast forward into this, and now they're both autistic. You're racing both of them. Like, how is that? <laughs> Because if you guys are new here, by the way, those that are listening, um, I have two kids and they're both autistic. And in my case, it's a girl and a boy. You have two girls. So <laughs> how, like, how, how are you dealing with that? How are you able to, you know, I, I guess just get through your days with two autistic girls? Right. <laughs> I'm going to take a sip. Before I answer that question, because God knows. Go right ahead. <laughs> you know, Nanny. I wish I had a little, um, like, coffee uh, sound just to put right, right here. Right. It's, um, sorry, I don't know if you can hear my, my notifications going. Yeah, you... I could hear them a little bit. I don't okay. know if you're able to um, turn them yes. off. Y'all, this is live. With... Apologies. Yeah, it was distracting. It's okay. It's okay figure out how to turn that down okay yes so look raising more than one child and I only actually got to know that there's a there's a there's a term for families who have more than one children with autism and where apparently we're called multiplex families and um yeah I found that out a, a few days ago and I know you're familiar more than likely, Nanny, with Emily Pearl Kingsley's uh, work where she, I think she wrote a poem about Welcome to Holland, where she explains, she explains basically what it's I think it's I've like. seen, I've, I've heard of that, but I right. haven't actually looked into it, which if I you see. can send me the information when you, Absolutely. you know, later Absolutely. on. <laughs> but for anyone who, who, who isn't really aware, just to quickly summarize, it's a really beautiful poem a little controversial because some people feel like her depiction of what it's like to raise a child with autism might be trivializing it or it's you know almost glamorizing it to some extent but at the end of the day it's her reality right and I think that's that's what we need to be conscious of we can only speak to what our personal realities are and what she's saying in welcome to welcome to Holland is that she you know all her life had been looking forward to traveling to Italy. She had bought a you know, plane ticket to get to Italy. She bought all the guidebooks. She was looking forward to going to Venice, you know, doing all the lovely things in Naples, etc. And she planned that beautiful trip. And then she gets on the plane 
they land finally and um the air stewardess mentions when they land you know the air stewardess just says welcome to holland and so she's thinking what is going on hang on this is a mistake i'm supposed to be in italy and they're like well i'm sorry you're here in holland now you're going to have to you know acclimatize to this new environment and by the way there's nothing wrong with holland holland is a beautiful you know the netherlands is a beautiful country in itself but that's not where she had planned to go right and so she's now having to buy new guidebooks about holland she's now having to learn this new language very different from the language that she's used to and you know finding a new way of living in this new place that she never envisaged for herself and i think that's a really interesting way to describe what it's like to find yourself in this space you know of being um a parent of uh, a child who has autism now the reason i bring this up to your question nanny is because i was thinking okay when you have more than one child with autism i would like to create almost like a sequel to welcome to holland right where this time is welcome to belgium so <laughs> So again, you've you've been through that experience. You're now settled in Holland. You know you're getting used to the language. You're taking you know the the, the nice little wins, the big wins. You're taking it all in your stride, and then you get yet another opportunity to go to Italy. So you're like, okay, a bit of anxiety because you're like, I can't have this happen again. This time we're getting to Italy, come what may. And then to cut a long story short, again you land, and the stewardess says welcome to Belgium you're like no someone must be playing a horrible you know um trick or game on me there is no way that this has happened twice there is no way that I found myself in a destination that I know nothing about and when I say nothing about yes of course they're both similar countries but as we know with autism it's a spectrum and so you see one child with autism and you've seen one child with autism so preach yeah Yeah. sorry I just said to me like preach yes that is true no especially for those that are just starting this journey it's good for them to understand that because sometimes we're like well let's say I hang out with you and ever rain and Jacob and I'm like but wait how come she's autistic and she's not doing this that my son is doing. You know what I mean? And we we can do this, especially when we're in public places with other children who may possibly have the same disability. So that's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, in short, you are, I think we're in control as parents of our own children of the narrative, how we present autism out to, whether it's our friends and our family, because you actually realize a lot of people, and why would they be? A lot of people are quite ignorant to what autism actually means, right? And our day-to-day, our challenges, but also actually our triumphs and the, you know, because it's definitely not all challenge and pain. And that's a picture I do not ever want to paint. And so, yes, nanny in a very roundabout way to your question it's an it's an enlightening experience it is uh I would say life-changing of course because everything that you have planned in your mind what you've envisaged for your future to look like changes right 
and you have to the analogy that Emily Pearl Kingsley paints, you just have to, you have to make a decision for yourself as to whether you're going to stay in this place of disappointment and, you know, and just get to that stage, no matter how long it takes you, but to get to that stage of acceptance, because it's at that point where you can then really begin to accept all the positive, all the great things that there are in all of our children. Um, And once you're at that point, I think that there is beauty in it, right? We definitely, the challenges don't go away. Of course, challenges like, you know, sleeplessness, you're dealing with medical challenges, you know, for in our situation, um, we're dealing with lots and lots of, you know, misbehavior, sensory sensitivities, you know, the whole, the whole range. Um, And it's tough. But again, like I said, there are beautiful moments if you can just pause and take a step back and take those moments in. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you. You know, I think that is so true. You know, I look at Jacob and they're so different. I mean, just gender alone, it's it's challenging. Right. <laughs> because I'm here thinking, okay, I need to potty train him soon, but I only know how to potty train a girl. Right. <laughs> so like, God, I'm going to need you to make a way because <laughs> I got to <laughs> potty train him. Right. So I'm grateful that I've met moms that have boys, you know, mm. that are autistic. And I'm like, okay, I need all your tips because right. I'm good with my girl. You know, she's set. I just, my son now so it's almost like you think you're finished but yet you're starting all over again absolutely and I'm sure I mean for you it's been even longer of a difference exactly (laughs) like mine's are just yeah like my daughter is only seven and my son is four so it's like like what almost exactly three years apart Right. With you guys, you know, Eden and Everain is like, whoa, it's a big chunk. It is. It's a huge. Yeah. yeah. Now, it may is. I ask, um, did you, you know, did you wait that long specifically because of Eden's diagnosis or was question. it just like, you know, it just kind of happened? Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's, you know what? It's, it's a bit of both. So Eden. Okay. For the longest time, the Eden that we see now, and I think it's really interesting when you look on social media and how people or children present, right? When you meet Eden in person, the Eden you see now is very, very different, right? Which is what gives us a lot of hope because it's very, very different, miles apart from Eden at the beginning of her diagnosis, etc. And so for a long time, we felt like she was, you know, she was years behind, in terms of her development. And so we felt like we had a baby really for a really, really long time. And all of our time, all of our efforts were just invested in her. And we couldn't think for a second of bringing another child into the world. Um, and we had an older child already who is neurotypical and we just felt it's not fair on her. You know, so much time is being spent on Eden. Um, and then by some miracles, <laughs> <laughs> by immaculate conception somehow um 10 years later yeah I get pregnant with um with Everain and what's interesting Nanny is I didn't again I was ignorant to the fact that 
when you have a child with autism, you, the, you know, the probability of having another child with autism increases. I, I, I didn't know that. Not to say it would have changed anything, uh, but at least I guess what it would have changed is I would have gone into the pregnancy more aware, you know, and sort of preparing myself of the possibility of that being the case. But I was shell shocked, not in a good way, when we begun to see similar traits in Everain when she was about, I would say, one and a half. Um, and I just thought, and this is an honest, safe space, right? So I can say, um, I just yes, thought, please cannot be happening again. Like, God, there is no way that I'm here again. We're only now beginning to figure out how to manage and, you know, get Eden into a really good place, even though, you know, there are challenges, of course, all the time. But yeah, it was it was really, really shocking. Really shocking. Oh, that is. <laughs> and it's interesting because it, it's, I love hearing your perspective because for me, I remember being pregnant with Jacob and I'm sorry, rewind. Um, before I found out I was pregnant with him, I wasn't like not trying to have another child. It was just kind of like, I wanted to be optimistic. And I was like, I grew up with three brothers and I don't want my child to be like, why you never gave me a sibling, mom? You know, I don't want her to eventually grow up and be like, well, why don't I have a brother or a sister? Right. Because I do feel like eventually they will question you um, in their own way, but they will. <laughs> And I didn't want to live with that guilt. But at the same time, realistically speaking, the inside of me was like, what if this child is also autistic? You know, is it going to be the same journey? Because we know it's different every time. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, we can speak for two, but <laughs> but we just know it's different. So. <laughs> It's very different. It was it was kind of like those things that I would tell my husband, well, you know, I don't think it will be fair for her. And he would tell me, like, are you sure? We would just go back and forth. Boom. Get pregnant with Jacob. Like I said, it wasn't nothing like, oh, we're going to try today. Like, I'm right. ovulating today, honey. We, we're doing this. No, we were just with the flow, you know, just naturally. Right. And it happened. And, you know, I was grateful. Number one, it was going to be a boy. You know, I always dreamed like girl and boy. I think it's just yeah. perfect to and through. Like that was my mentality the whole time, even prior to getting married. And God was just pleased enough to give me both of them, you know, right. to be on the spectrum. But yeah, I noticed different things on Jacob yet. There were similarities in their early signs, but and now as he's getting older, you know, I see differences. And just the sensory mm. challenges alone are like off the hook. Because Eliana has sensory processing disorder as well, but it's not as severe as Jacob's. Like his sensory is like. Yes, I can fully relate because I thought I knew a thing or two about sensory processing with Eden until I had Everain. And the thing is, what what the real challenge for me, you know, and Eden even on social media and, you know, the page she has on Instagram is I'm conscious she's a teenager, right? And you also have to really toe this line of making sure that you're also um, 
supporting and you're keeping your child's dignity intact, right? Because there are things, and I also, I, I wanted to be as truthful a representation of her as possible, but it's really tricky to navigate because there are aspects that, you know, she has friends who, 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 who are on her page and we don't want to, you know, sometimes she'll say, mommy, mm, I don't know if I want to share that. So we, you know, we have to pull back from that. Um, but I guess I say all of that to say that Eden still has challenges that when I speak to friends about, they're like, really? I mean, when you hear her speak and you would never, ever think that she isn't able to do some of these really basic things yet. Now that's Eden. And then when we had Everain, Nanny, I, I'm telling you, like, mind blown about the extent of her sensory processing needs. Like, it's the biggest barrier, aside from the fact that she's completely nonverbal, um, it's the biggest barrier to, to just her existence. Like, ev- it touches everything, right? She's constant, the stimming is constant. From when she wakes up, she's got her hand over her ears. You know, she's constantly oh like, rocking back and forth. She is, like last night, she was screaming for hours and hours and end and obviously being nonverbal, she can't tell us what it is. Um, and we're doing the rocking, we're doing the bouncing, we're doing all of it and um, still, right? But yeah, sensory processing is just, for me, it's, that's probably one of the biggest challenges to manage because I feel, again, it impacts everything, everything in a child. Yeah, and of course, I'm getting emotional talking about this. <laughs> um, Only because, you know, I think, like you just said, that's one of the biggest barriers for Jacob, per se. Um, and it's interesting, you know, what you're saying, like your daughter's constantly moving. Jacob cannot stay still. Mm-hmm. Like he sits on the couch and will rock back and forth all day long. Right. And grinding yeah. his teeth is a way of him stimming. He finds really good satisfaction in doing that. Okay. Uh, while it drives me crazy, I'm talking about I'm already like somewhere <laughs> on another planet because it's so bad. Like the grinding is very severe. Um, you know, brushing teeth is very difficult. And I know, you know, I had an episode, two episodes ago, I believe, on sensory. And, you know, we were dis- discussing about this. Like, it's challenging. It affects a lot of our children's senses. And the world doesn't understand this. And this is why we talk about this publicly. So it can get all across the world. And families can understand that they are not alone. That, you know, these are our patches that we're all going to step on. Like, we're just going to step on those hard patches. Even if we don't want to, we're going to step on them. Yes. And it's going to make us resilient. It's going to make us resilient. I think autism moms, we are really the definition of resilience. Because we don't give up. We can't give up. No, we can't. No, it's not an option. We can't. So would you say that, I know my next question would be, what are some unique challenges, you know, with racing? your two autistic daughters and also your neurotypical child. Like, you know, I mean, granted she is older, so I don't know if there is like, is it a little easier versus if she was younger right? or is this still challenging? Because I mean, she's now pretty much an adult. Exactly. Yes. You know, but she still wants 
you know, mom and dad, you know, I'm sure she still craves that relationship. Absolutely. So you can talk a little bit more about that. Sure. It, you know, I don't think there's ever, I'm going to sit up here and say balance and, you know, it, nanny, it doesn't exist. I mean, it's impossible, right? In as much as we strive as much as we can to create a decent enough balance so one child doesn't let you know feel like all of the time is invested in another we're only human at the end of the day the child who has the most needs more often than not is the child you're going to spend the most time and effort on that's I mean that's what we do and for us in our unique situation because the child who has the most needs is also the youngest um it just so happens that yes, we end up spending the most time with her. You're right. My eldest being 18, she's an adult now. Um, you know, and with her being neurotypical, the advantage of that is she really is able to help and support. Um, she's had that experience with Eden growing up. Um, and we're always very conscious, right, of not overburdening her as well because she's you know in her own right she has the right to exist as a you know as a child and do the normal things that teenagers do and we don't want to burden her with that but on the flip side what we realize is that we've raised this very nurturing empathetic human being who wherever in the world she goes she has a much deeper understanding and an appreciation for for people right and so I, I I choose to see no matter the challenges no matter the part she plays in helping us raise her sisters um at the end of the day we're raising someone who I believe is going to walk through this world and make it a better place because she's you know she she has this empathetic nurturing nurturing spirit yes but nanny the challenges I mean with raising two children on the spectrum, I would say are it's everything times two, right? So all the challenges that you have with a with one child who has autism, when you have two, it doubles. Whether it's financially in terms of all the support services that you need to provide for your child, the cost is times two. Whether it's the time that you're spending supporting them with any kind of activity it's times two depending on where they are and you know in in different stages it is if it's sleeplessness guess what it's times two because while ever screaming down here and not sleeping Eden's up there really sensitive to sound and so the slightest thing a penny drops and she's up and then she can't sleep as well um so it's all of that times two and then I think the other challenge is also that because we know that these children are very, very different, my, you know, Eden Rose and Everrain are really, really different. Things that, to give you an example, Eden is really, really sensitive to sound, like screeching noises on the train or in a tube, like she gets really agitated and anxious. Everrain, on the other hand, is not at all sensitive to sound. So there's a lot of screaming and a lot of... So they trigger each other a lot. <laughs> Wait, I have to, like, jump into this. 
I relate to that. Like that is my situation. It's, you know, Jacob is like so loud. I'm talking about obnoxiously loud and he's happy. Like these are happy sounds. But then you have Eliana who's like, nope, I'd rather be isolated in a room with my tablet. She's in her world. She could be there literally the entire day and she's done it. You know, you do feel sometimes like you're neglecting that child. But guess what? That is her safe space. And I've had to learn if that's what makes her happy. Like, that's what she finds that it's keeping her safe. She's away from the noise. She's away from because not even the canceling headphones. It's it's helping it like he's just too much of energy for her. And so that's very interesting that, you know, you're you're saying that now. With me too, Jacob sleeps with the little lullaby, you know, um, little sound like, shh, you know, and it's like the forest. Eliana too, like she's okay with sleeping with that. Her thing is just sudden noises, you know, sudden sounds. Like if he screams right now and she's just chilling, you catch her off guard. If I'm trying to do homework with her and he's around, she get, it's too much for her. He, I have to put him in his room. And that is so hard because it's like, ah, I don't want them to be separated. But if that's what's helping them, like, I have to do what I have to do, right? Absolutely. And we're only one. I mean, yes, we have um, we have partners who are supportive, etc. But at the end of the day, when you're dealing with whatever the challenge is or whatever the situation is, you're one person right? Like I'll give you a scenario recently where Eden had um, quite a number of challenges with walking because having tiptoed, you know, tiptoe walking all her life, we'd noticed that her Achilles <clears throat> tendon had shortened. So she's now like really struggling, you know, limping um, when she, when she walks and, you know, having to do physio, etc. And I remember getting a call, this was about two weeks ago from her school saying, Look, really sorry, Mr. Che, but um, Eden's back in the office. She's really struggling. You know, she's in pain. She can't walk. Can you pick her up? And Nanny, as I'm speaking to the school, I just look over and I see my daughter, Everain, having a seizure. And I'm just thinking, I'm on the phone and I'm like, I'm sorry, hold on, I'm in full panic mode, you know, trying to figure out, obviously I need to get the school off the phone. I need to get my eye on the clock and, um, you know, administer medication and call an ambulance. And so I'm just in this place. You don't even have the the presence of mind to even take a step back and, and, you know, (laughs) and even think, right. You're an autopilot doing what you need to do. But once I'd gotten over, you know, once Everain had come out of that and, you know, she was okay. And then I called the school back and they were like, yes, Eden is still here. And I just, I just broke down in that moment. I thought, how is this happening at the same time? Like, how am I supposed to manage a child who needs to be picked up because she's struggling and a child who's had a seat in room? How? Um, So in those moments, in the reality of what it really means, you know, in the reality of what it really means, but in the reality of our situations, because we know that the spectrum isn't the same um, and different children have different experiences, it really is a challenge just 
that balancing act, making sure that you're there for both children. Um, it's tough. It really is. And I, I'd love to say that I found the balance, but it's, I take it a right. day. Yeah. yeah, no. And that's, that's tough. You know, the fact that you, you don't know when they're going to call you, excuse me, from <clears throat> eating school and your little one is having a seizure. Like that's scary. I remember you telling me you were on the road, I believe. And, and she was having a seizure too. Like that I, I can't even, and you know, and I, I salute you for that because that it really takes a village. <laughs> it really takes a village. And, and you are that for your girls, you know, even for your eldest. So I know you're doing a fantastic job and I know we hear these things, you know, from the middle people. And I know you tell me as well. And, you know, we try to encourage each other and uplift each other with these words. And, but deep down, like, you know, I know these past few weeks and months, I should say, if I'm honest, like it's just been overwhelming. You know, I'm fighting for my daughter to get what she really needs. And, and I just think about the moms that have you know, to constantly do this because they won't give in. They won't provide these services for their child. And you just feel the weight. You feel the weight. And you kind of become isolated because you're like, nobody's going to get it. You don't want to burden another autism mom because she already has her challenges and, and situations that you just feel like, I don't want to burden nobody. So therefore I'm shutting down and, and that's it. It's just me and my thoughts. And it's hard. It's hard. And I'm the type of person I journal, you know, whenever I'm just deep in my thoughts and it helps me, you know, it helps me. So I appreciate, you know, your vulnerability to, to share, um, that part because that's, that's rough. And I'm sure that guilt comes in because you're now like, okay, well, I just left Eden knowing that they just told me exactly that I need to go and get her and she's in pain. Well, I have my four-year-old who's having a whole seizure. Like, okay, at that moment, you want to like break yourself in half, but you know, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> right? Exactly. So it, it's hard. It is. That's it. Is. it. And we're not, we don't want nobody to feel pity for us, please. No. We're not trying to do a pity party, okay? No. That's not why we are no. saying this, for you to feel bad. No. No. We are just we really just want other families in our situation to know that they're not alone. Like I personally don't deal with the medical aspect of it when it comes to like medications. And, you know, I know there's parents out there that their kids are autistic and also have G tube feeding, you know, like, huh? you know, or, um, you know, ADHD and autism or, you yeah. know, in your case, your daughter has seizures and it's also autistic. Like, you know, I'm not in that specific position, but the fact that we can still be here for each other and be that community to uplift each other and to rem be reminded that we are not alone in this journey. Yes. We're not. Absolutely. I, I mean, look, I, since becoming, thankfully, through social media, part of this community, meeting you, attending the Moments of Joy best right and just having that privilege to meet the amazing women because like you said when you're going through and when you're managing all the challenges day by day it's really hard to lift your head up and of course listen like you said it's not a pity party and it's not all challenges either I have fantastic days right I have great days where 
I know what I'm doing. I've got a plan. You know, the girls are happy. They're well fed. We're going out. But there are other days, and, you know, on those days, I give myself full grace and I, you know, I do what I need to do to keep the family going. But there are other days where it's just not, I'm just not there. And in those days also, I give myself grace. And so to your point, it is, it is challenging. Yes. But it's so, so important in those moments, like you said, to do what we're, to do what we're doing, like to, to, to seek out that community, to share your experience with, with other parents, because like you said, not that it's intentional, but a lot of the people, you know, family and friends, there's just no real understanding of what we go through. And like you said, we don't want to burden them. I don't always want the only conversation we have when I meet my friends is to talk about my children, right? (laughs) I find myself doing that. Like I find myself doing that. I I do the same thing though. I do the same thing. I'll, I'll meet with, a mom that maybe, you know, her children are neurotypical and I'll jump in. And, you know, if they ask me, I feel like that open door that it's like, okay, well, I guess they want to hear about it. So let's get really deep into it because I want to be real with you. Right. But at the same time, I'm also the type of friend that I'm like, I want to listen to you and I want to know what's going on with you because I want to feel like, okay, I am supporting you in that season of your life that you may be in. Right. Um, and, and that's me. I am that I'm that friend that I'm like, yep, just pour it into me. Just what's going on? Like, I'm here for you. What can I do for you? Like, I, I'll be there. I'll get this for you. Like, you know, do you need my support? That's me. But I'm never the one to be like, okay, I, I need you to come. Like, I'm tired. Um, I need somebody to hear me out. And, and that's crazy because we need that too. As much as we pour into others, we have to be poured into. You're so right. I struggle to ask for help. I mean, it's just not in my nature. It's just not, children aside, it's just not something that I've ever felt comfortable doing. But you're right. For our own mental health and sanity, we can't do it. You know, and as much as we have supportive partners and, you know, you have your mom around, I have my mother-in-law, it's, they're around us a lot of the time. They equally feel the challenges and the struggle, you know, in the daily interactions that they have with our children. Um, But I honestly feel like, um, I don't know, I, I don't mean to do it, but I feel like I isolate myself also because when it gets so overwhelming, I just, I don't even want to speak on the phone. I can't, I can't, like, I'm so drained and so exhausted. I struggle to even articulate the extent of the, of the challenges. Right. Um, and I don't, again, I don't want that pity. I don't want people to feel sorry for me. And so I just internalize it at best. Okay. I'll talk to my husband and that's as far as it goes. So it's like a chicken and egg situation because on one hand, you know, you want the support um, of that village, but you're not really telling the village what's going on and how they can help. Right. So of course they're not going to (laughs) be, they're not going to be around you offering any support because you're not, you're not telling them. So I'm still trying to figure out how to, yeah. How to to get there to ask for the help. Yeah. Um, but no, this has been, 
I, what was that? Sorry to interrupt you, Nanny. I was just going to say, sometimes I also feel like, do you have to ask though? You know, like, I, I feel like you don't have, you don't have, if you're a real, if you're a family member or a really good friend, I don't think you have to ask. I'm, and I'm just, I guess, part of adulting also is to accept that you can't put people on the same pedestal as you can't judge and treat people the way that you would be in that sort of scenario, right? I know the type of friend that I am. And I know that if someone was in my position, I wouldn't wait for them to ask me anything. Yes, I right? I, I agree with you. No, I agree with you because I feel like, um, especially when you've known the person for a long time, like, and you know their situation and you know, you know, their kid's situation, it's, it's almost like silly to ask, right. you know? Um, so that's, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm with yeah. you 100% on that. Um, I think, you know, this has truly been an insightful episode. I mean, we could go on for hours talking about this topic, raising autistic siblings, you know, and I'm sure those that are listening that may be in the same shoes as us raising autistic siblings, maybe more than two. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just, I just want you to know before ending this episode that you were chosen for that. You know, we were chosen to raise autistic children, beautiful children, chosen, fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. And, and I just love it. So I guess to close this episode, what is an advice that, you know, you have for parents who may be struggling, you know, and this may be super challenging for them to balance, you know, I know you said, you know, there is no such a thing as balance because we know this, right. But I guess just to word it, right. um, to just balance those needs of, of both of their autistic children, but yet if they have a neurotypical child as well, like what is one advice you have for them since you do live both worlds. So you can talk about it. You know, I, both of mine are autistic. So, (laughs) um, what is that one advice? I would say, look, allow yourself to go through the mode, like touching on what we've already spoken about. Just allow yourself, give yourself grace and allow, we're only human at the end of the day. There is no manual to doing what we do every day. Um, And so give yourself as much grace as possible, even in the challenging moments. Do the crying do the moaning, do the complaining, the advocacy, like whatever you need to do. But don't stay there too long, right? You, It's up to us. We need to find joy. You know, we need to create also those opportunities for joy. Um, and insofar as, I think that's where the balance comes into play, right? Insofar as we can create these lives, even if quite a lot of it is outside of our control, we still can. I think what is in our control is to decide how much we choose to focus on the challenging and the negative and the overwhelming aspects over, you know, what is joyous, what brings us happiness, what makes us proud of our children, what I, on a daily basis, if I can achieve that, i.e., if I can just have a joyous moment surpass the other challenges and the negatives then that's success for me 
So that's what I'd say to parents is just really, really be like intentional about looking yes. for those joyous moments. Yeah. Yes. I love it. <laughs> I hope you had a great time, you know, being on this podcast. Yeah, I, I loved it. Like you said, we girl, you weren't ever. even nervous though. Like seriously, you weren't even nervous. I mean, I couldn't tell and I'm sure nobody can. <laughs> but fun, um, right? Swan, swan effect on the outside you're all composed yeah I, yeah I do the same thing sis <laughs> but I am so grateful that you were able to join us and you know my audience um thank you thank you again and you guys I will see you again on a special edition episode next week on Thanksgiving, I'm going to have a beautiful um, devotion on thankfulness and just, it, 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 you don't want to miss it. So definitely be sure to tune in. Um, thank you guys again for listening and watching on YouTube. So thank you, Swa.